Good morning and greetings in Jesus' name. Let's do a memory check. A year ago, the first Sunday of January, who preached the message? John <laughs> uh, That's probably a good guess. You know, uh, if I would have been here, I would have forgotten it, and I was. Uh, now probably you know who preached. <clears throat> now, the next question is, what did he preach about? <laughs> well, I would have forgotten that too, but uh, there's somebody here that uh, kept a record. Carol, what did I preach about? I don't remember now. My subject was taking inventory. <laughs> okay. This morning, though I have decided to uh, preach about some of the basic foundational doctrines that are in the Word, and I got started on that because of where I was reading in my devotional, and that's Isaiah. I, I love the book of Isaiah, and uh, I intend to start this morning in uh, Isaiah 32. And my, uh, my subject is truth, and I'm going to address several foundational truths that uh, the church teaches. Isaiah 32 and the first eight verses, and they read this way in the New King James Version. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. A man will be as a hiding place from the wind and a cover from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The eyes of those who see will not be dim, and the ears of those who hear will listen. Also, the heart of the rash will understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. The foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. For the foolish person will speak foolishness, and his heart will work iniquity. To practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Also, the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaks justice. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness. I, I love those words. Uh, righteousness uh, isn't always uh, the thing that uh, kings do, not always the things that rulers do. But here it says that a king will reign in righteousness. And, of course, right away, 
you Bible readers and scholars and Christians know that it's talking about Jesus Christ. That, that's got to be the, the, uh, the subject. Uh, Jesus Christ will reign in righteousness. A righteous king. Now, uh, I want to talk a little about truth this morning. Uh, a number of things that are truths, but uh, truth is sometimes inconvenient. It's not, it, it, uh, well, let me, let me start this way. There, there's a small town close to where we live called Mount Jackson. Most of you are familiar with, with Mount Jackson. And, uh, there's a little church building in Mount, right in the center of town. Uh, Route 11 runs along on one side of this little brick church. It's an old church. And uh, on the other side, there's a small side street that uh, runs several blocks south there. I've been in the church already. It uh, was uh, a Mennonite church many years ago uh, for a little while, Mount Jackson Mennonite Church. But uh, what I want to talk about is that little street that goes along behind the church and it's a shortcut to the way that uh, I would take to go home from when it, wherever I was at north of, of or in Mount Jackson. And uh, it, it uh, was a little closer and, and a little quicker, and so I'd go that way. And then uh, some years later, and I didn't get through there very often anymore, and uh, they put a stop sign in that uh, street and uh, I went through there once and saw the stop sign then uh, a year or two later I went through again and uh, forgot it was there and uh, first thing I knew I got out uh, about to the Orkney grade which takes me west toward home and the uh, lights flashed behind me and so the man came up, I stopped, and he came up, and he asked me, you know what, I stopped you? Didn't have a clue. And he said, I blew through that stop sign back there. Yeah. I knew right away when he said that I didn't stop at the stop sign. I knew it was there, but I forgot it. And I was I had some grandchildren along, and I was probably visiting with them. Uh, I was a distracted driver or whatever. Anyway, uh, truth, uh, truth was I broke the law, and it's not convenient when the lights flash behind you to break the law. So I didn't, uh, I didn't argue with the law. I paid my fine and went on. I don't like paying fines. I, I don't have enough money to pay fines, okay? <laughs> Then it made me think of uh, in Timberville, uh, a similar story now. Uh, there's a long, steep hill from the north going down into Timberville, and it's real easy to speed on that. And, and this wasn't me, somebody else. And they got caught, and uh, this was a Mennonite person, uh, one that I knew well, and... Uh, 
he said, why don't they catch some of those people, that, those teenagers that are uh, ripping around like they do and so on. And uh, it, the truth was inconvenient. He had broken the law, but it was inconvenient to him, and he was complaining about it. Uh, there's no use to complain about it. Truth is truth, and it, whether it's convenient or not, it's still truth. And, and the truth of God's word is the same way. It uh, sometimes, uh, depending on people's situation, the truth is inconvenient, but it's still truth. It's still there. It still needs to be recognized as truth. So now let's look at this king who will reign in righteousness. Let's look at uh, John 18, and this is uh, uh, Jesus in front of Pilate uh, at his trial. And we'll start reading here at uh, verse 33 in John 18. Then Pilate entered the praetorium, again called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Now what he was saying is, are you the Messiah? Uh, he knew about the, the king that the Jews were looking for. Jesus answered him, are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered him, I a Jew, your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And I'll stop there. Now, there is some foundational truth in what Jesus said to Pilate. He said, yes, Pilate, I'm a king, but I'm not a threat to you. And Pilate recognized that. Pilate knew full well that what Jesus said was not a threat to Rome. Jesus said, my kingdom is not political. It, it has no bearing on Rome or on the Jewish rulers. And, and, uh, and Pilate recognized that. He said uh, to the Jews, I, uh, he, he's faultless. He, he hasn't done what you said he did. They said he was uh, leading insurrection. He was in rebellion. He wasn't, and Pilate recognized that. He said he, he is not guilty. But, but the, the foundational truth that I'd like to get here is that Jesus said, my kingdom, I'm, I'm a king, I have a kingdom, but my kingdom is not of this world. It's not political. Now, uh, let me fill you in on, on a little bit of church history here. 
When Jesus started his church, which started shortly after this, it was persecuted for almost 300 years by the Romans, first by the Jews and then by the, the Romans. Periodically, they would uh, launch a persecution and, and the church... Somebody tell me, what happened to the church while that persecution was going on? It was growing. Mark says it was growing and growing and growing. It grew rapidly for those 300 years. Now, uh, Jesus said in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, just after the Beatitudes, in the Beatitudes, in fact, he said, uh, you're blessed when you're persecuted. Uh, it's, a, it's a blessing when you're persecuted. We don't look at it that way, do we? That, that's contrary. It, it's a truth. Jesus said it. it it's, uh, but it's an inconvenient truth, isn't it? <laughs> uh, we don't like to think of that as, as blessing. But the, the persecution that the church endured for those first 300 years, I don't know what all that does, but it, I think it purifies the church. It keeps the church on its toes, and the church grew under that persecution. Then came uh, 300 years now, 300 and, and uh, some years, and, and then... Constantine comes along, and he was an empire, emperor of uh, Rome, and uh, this, what I'm saying now, began before he was emperor, probably while he was uh, an aspiring contender for the position. Uh, he recognized that the Christians were really a, a large part of the people, and... and uh, so he made Christianity, uh, in effect, the state religion. He recognized Christianity as a, a, as a true religion. <clears throat> and a lot of people, <clears throat> and I, I suppose that if we'd have been there and uh, the persecution of Rome would have suddenly been relaxed, uh, we would have rejoiced, wouldn't we? Uh, my, how nice it is. Ooh, we can <laughs> we can relax a little now, <clears throat> but it didn't take long. <clears throat> pardon me, until uh, until the uh, bad part of what Constantine was doing showed up. He soon soon after. Uh, this uh, state church began. It uh, they uh, made it a law that uh, everybody needs to become a Christian. Uh, th this was now the uh, state religion, and and everybody needed to uh, become a Christian. And uh, so, when you do that, uh, people are no longer serving the Lord because they want to, 
They're no longer being voluntary Christians. They're no longer Christians, period. <clears throat> and you have everybody in the church, whether they're Christian or not, whether they're believers or whether they're not, whether they're brethren or whether they're not. <clears throat> and, uh, and that's not a good situation for the, for the church to be in. Of course, there were uh, other people uh, who uh, were not as happy with uh, this uh, new development, and they uh, they uh, fought against that. And I use that word "fought" not in the sense of sword, but uh, uh, they objected to it, and and then they were the ones who were persecuted, and and uh, so the the. Uh, Thing changed, and then uh, some 50 years after Constantine, there came a man by the name of Augustine. And Augustine was uh, apparently a fairly intelligent fellow and uh, a, a leader. He was a bishop in one of the cities. But uh, in my thinking, Augustine was a man who... Uh, uh, he found truth inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> in, and uh, the truth here was that there were people in the church who were unsaved, and uh, there were sinners in the church, and, and I think that was one of the things that was working on Augustine, and, and Augustine came up with some answers for that. And, and his answer was uh, that God is sovereign. How many of you here believe that God is sovereign? Okay, that's right, I do too. Uh, he, he is sovereign. But now, uh, if I were to ask you what that means, uh, maybe we'd come up with several different answers. Augustine had a a different answer than I do for that, okay? <laughs> Augustine said, uh, God is sovereign. He is in control. He, what? He, he is in control of every molecule, put it that way. In other words, he controls everything. Now, uh, when he said that, God controls everything, uh, he was uh, saying that God controls men's hearts. Now, uh, I believe and we believe as uh, Christians that God delegates some responsibility, that God doesn't control every molecule, that he gives some decision to us. And in fact, that's good, solid New Testament teaching. We know that uh, uh, John 3.16, that favorite verse of the Bible, where <clears throat> God gives us a choice. And we know uh, what 2 Peter 3.9 says, where it says, uh, God doesn't want anyone to be saved, uh, to be lost. He wants all men to come to the truth. He wants everyone to become a Christian. Now, uh, Augustine said uh, 
God is controlling it all. And uh, Calvin, in uh, later years, uh, some 1,200 years later, refined that doctrine, and it's now known as Calvinism. But the bad part about that teaching is that that, uh, Augustine said, before anybody was born, God decided whether he was going to be saved or not, whether he was going to turn to Christ or whether he wasn't. And so uh, since uh, the Bible is fairly clear that, uh, and if you would look in the Sermon on the Mount, you could find that where it says that uh, the way that leads to life is narrow and the way that leads to death is wide and there are a lot going down the way to death, but there's a few going to life. And now we have Augustine saying that before the person is born, he is condemned. Most of them are condemned to death. It's a terrible teaching. It's awful. How could a man do that? But that's what he came up with. And a lot of people believe that. It's not true. It's a lie. Truth is that God wants all men to come to a knowledge of salvation. He is working to save men. Jesus Christ came and died for that purpose, to bring men to him, to woo us. (laughs) We're familiar with the, the young men who uh, see this girl that they'd like to marry. And uh, you men here who have wives uh, know what I'm talking about. And you young men who'd like to have some, maybe, (laughs) you also know. Uh, and, And God is like that. God is wooing us, doing the best he can to bring us to salvation. That's the, the God of love, the one who sent his, who, who gave the ultimate price. He gave his son to bring us to him, to bring us to uh, the knowledge that he is a God of love, a God who wants us, a God who wants us to be in, in fellowship, a God who wants us to uh, know the truth of his word, to read it and to to digest it, and one who listens to what the Holy Spirit tells us, and one who calls on him and says, God, I can't handle this by myself, but I know you can. He wants that kind of communication, fellowship with us. That's why he created us, and he wanted to give us a choice. That's, that's why it is the way it is. No, he didn't decide way back then that you're going to either live or die. He is giving us a choice. Now, he may know how we're going to choose. He has all knowledge. I don't doubt that. But he has given us that choice. If we reject it, it's us. In Matthew 28, the uh, 
the uh, Great Commission. The Great Commission is that, uh, that we've been given work to do. God's people have a work to do. And, uh, and in that Great Commission, the first phrase of that commission is, Uh, no, no, I'm looking for a phrase before that. <laughs> uh, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power, all, the, the, the power word there is authority. There are two words translated in our King James Version for uh, power. They are either, the, uh, there may be more. There's only two main ones. The dunamis word, which is the dynamite word for power, and the authority word. This is the authority word. Jesus is saying, I have all the authority of heaven and all the authority of earth. What, what authority doesn't he have? He didn't leave any out, did he? He said, I have all the authority that there is. And, and on that authority, I'm asking you all to get out there and spread the news. Make disciples of all men, as many as you can. Teach them about me. Teach them about my love. Teach them what I've done. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, it says here, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have a king that has all the authority of heaven and earth, and he has commissioned us to spread the gospel, to get the news out. Now, let's go back again. We've, uh, we've touched on several of the basic doctrines, the basic truths of Scripture. Let's go back again to uh, Isaiah chapter 32 and notice another part there. He said, a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice. Now, uh, that's suggesting that, uh, that the, the princes of this king will rule with justice. And I, I think probably he's uh, referring to what uh, Revelation 1 tells us, where he said he made, made us kings and priests. Verse 5 to him who loved us and washed us 
from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. Now, uh, I'm thinking here that when he says a king will reign in righteousness and princes will rule with justice, that he's talking about not gender-specific. He's calling you royalty, and, and you are to rule, okay? You're to do what uh, he is telling you to do. In this case, uh, spreading the gospel and whatever else things that he has for you to do. And, and we will, we will do that with justice. We will do it the way he wants it done. A king will reign in righteousness, and his, his, I'm adding a word, and his princes will rule with justice. And a man will be, and I have a parallel Bible at home that I use in my devotional, and it has the old King James, the Amplified, and the New American Standard, and the New International. And uh, all three of the ones besides the King James say, each man. And, and uh, this is again talking about the, the king's people, okay? <laughs> Will be as a hiding place from the wind. I, I like uh, to read it the way the old King James reads it. I like the idea of Christ being this hiding place from the wind, and this cover from the tempest. <clears throat> it, uh, it reminds me of uh, one of the Wesleys, and I don't remember which one, who was on a ship crossing the Atlantic, and there were some Moravian missionaries with him on the ship. And <clears throat> they encountered a fierce storm. And uh, the people were terrified. They were afraid they were going to die. Most of them. But these Moravian missionaries were just as calm as they could be. And, and whichever one of the Wesleys it was, John or Charles, uh, noticed that. And, and he, he, it spoke to him and he, he communicated with the, these men. It reminds one of what uh, uh, Ludlow Walker said. Uh, we, uh, we don't have to be afraid of uh, dying before our time's up. Uh, said, uh, God's not going to let you die before your work's done. And, and you don't want to be here after your work's done anyway. Sort of a, a nice way to put it. <clears throat> but uh, Wesley, in, in this case, he noticed that these Moravians, it was because of their faith in God. They, they were like Ludlow Walker. It didn't bother them. If, uh, if they were going to die, they were going to go and be with the Lord. And they were sure of it. 
they had a faith that lived. And yeah, a, a man will be those Moravians were as a hiding place from the wind. Jesus was out there on the Sea of Galilee with all his disciples in the boat, and the storm came up, and you remember the story. They were scared. We're going to die. <laughs> the water's coming in faster than we can throw it out. And... Uh, Jesus said, where is your faith? A hiding place from the wind, a cover from the tempest. As uh, rivers of water in a dry land, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, <coughs> he uh, he told her, if, if you would have known who I am, I would have given you living water. A little later, in the seventh chapter of John, talking to the crowd there at the temple, he said, if, if you believe in me, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. I'd better turn to that and get it straight. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Not only, not only does Jesus have living water to give, he's asking you to, to, to believe in him and to let the water flow. Living water, water that will bring life. <clears throat> Craig Boyer lived in northern New York. He was 19 years old, and he had dreams of starting this hippie commune. He uh, had uh, owned a, a farm there, uh, an old... Uh, uh, abandoned farm, I suppose, <clears throat> and he was living there. And and Craig got some new neighbors, and he didn't know who they were. But uh, Craig is a personable fella, and so he went to meet them one evening. And and uh, Craig Boyer described himself. Craig is six feet five inches tall, and broad-shouldered and flat, uh, thin. And uh, he had a ponytail hanging down his back and uh, his uh, bib overalls on and the pants legs rolled up. And he went to visit his neighbors. And he got there and uh, they were gathering and they uh, had a circle there and, and they were strange looking people. Different. And uh, they welcomed Craig and uh, got him into their circle. The, these people were New Order Amish that had moved into that area. And they were people who knew the Lord, okay? And, and uh, 
that same evening, before the evening was over, they had Craig on his knees confessing Jesus Christ as his Savior. Living water. They were, out, out of their hearts came living water and brought Craig that living water. He drank. <laughs> Been faithful to this day. Truth. Truth may be inconvenient at times, but it's always truth. The truth is that God is sovereign. Truth is that he wants all men to be saved. The truth is that he has all the authority of heaven and earth and that he has commissioned us, given us the authority to go out and tell others about him. And he has told us that if we do that, we can have rivers of living water flowing from our innermost being. May the Lord bless you all. So we have a song.